The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Great are you, Lord. The nation of Israel saw you, Lord, deliver uh, your delivering hand as you delivered them from the hand and the power of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They saw your mighty work, Lord, and how you brought along very many plagues and very many mighty works to deliver. And not, it was not just on display for the nation of Egypt, but for the whole world to know that you are God and great are you, Lord. You parted the Red Sea so that they could walk on dry land. That was you, God. You delivered the hand of, of uh, from, or the nation of, of, of Israel from the hand of all the other nations, Lord, while they were in the wilderness. You brought them into the promised land. And Lord, we thank you and we await the day where you're going to return, Jesus, and you're going to bring us home. And you're going to bring us into the land that you have promised, where heaven is going to be our home. And we're going to abide with you forever. Great are you, Lord. Your greatest work that was ever displayed was displayed on the cross. You sent, Father, your only Son to die in our place. Great are you, Lord. You are mighty to save. Through the shed blood of your Son, all will come to salvation in you when we place our faith and our trust in you and we follow you. Great are you, Lord. There is none like you. No one is like you. Oh God, you are good and you are great and you are merciful. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name and gather to lift our voices in a time where there's many who are not. There's many who are scared to. There's many who choose not to. But oh Lord, you declare and you are worthy. How do we not declare you are great, Lord? The psalmist spoken and burst forth. If we don't, even the rocks will cry out, oh God. You are good. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to lift our voices to you who are worthy. And I just ask, Lord, now as we gather in your name around your word, would we worship now by receiving your word and trusting you, Lord, for what you have to say. This is your word, oh God. May your truth reign. May we uh, help us by the power of your spirit to align our minds and our hearts with the truth of your word so that we will live according to your will. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you move in such a powerful way? Would you anoint my lips? Would I be stayed on what you have called me to do? Would you empower everyone listening to listen, Lord, and not be distracted and be able to hone in, Lord? Thank you for these moments. We give you glory. We praise you. May you be glorified in this place now and forevermore. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for leading us in worship. It's great. It's good to be here again with you this morning. You glad to be here, loved ones? Glad to be here this morning? Amen. Excited to be here. It's good. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to be bringing our uh, Colossians series to an end this morning. And uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, go into the, kind of the final words of the Apostle Paul. And I think for most of us, I think we've been kind of guilty of this before, where we get to the end of a letter and we kind of look and say, you know what, I don't really know how this is going to apply to me. Like he's kind of talking about a specific church and going into a specific way. So we can tend to flip over those sections. And I think this is one of those sections that we can look at quickly and go, 
eh, it doesn't really apply to me. There's other places in the Bible like that. You know that, right? Have you ever gone through your, like, your reading study and you get to like the book of Matthew? And you go to like Matthew chapter 1, and you're like, okay, I'm excited. God, you know, help me to learn, help me to read your word. And, and you open up Matthew, and you start out like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh-oh. Um, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, and Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. You're like, okay, thank you. Had enough of that. Let's go into chapter 2. All right, what's in chapter 2? Now, now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah. And, and so, you ever do that before? Anybody do that? Come on, lift up your hands. Don't leave me here. I think we've all been guilty of that in one sense or another. We've kind of gone to these passages and been like, eh, they don't really mean much to me. They can't mean much to me. And uh, I'll admit to you, on Monday morning, I get into my office and I open up the text knowing that this is going to be there. And I'm thinking to myself, Mark, what did you do? What did you do to yourself? Why didn't you just close the book up last week? Just read through it quickly. It's done. Nobody will really hit you. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what am, what am I to learn? And what do you want your church to learn, Lord? That, I'll just be honest with you. I, that was me on Monday morning. Uh, and I was asking the Lord and praise God uh, for the help of the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth, amen, and who illuminates our hearts and our minds. And he reminded me quickly that all scripture is breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Uh, so all of us, all people, all children of God will be thoroughly equipped. So this is a section that we will not skip over, nor should we skip over, because it is rich. It is rich with teaching. But how we're going to approach this section this morning in Paul's, uh, or Paul's final greetings is he's going to talk about some of his inner circle. He's going to talk about some of those who were like in the thick of it with him and were his reliable, um, trustworthy, faithful servants in the advancement of the gospel. And so what I want to do is I want to look at these individual characters and I want to see um, some of the characteristics they exhibit. And because each one of these exhibit characteristics of a genuine servant of Christ. A genuine servant of Christ. And what I want to do is I want us to see if we are exhibiting those same things. So you're going to do a little bit of a hard assessment this morning, okay, loved ones? You're going to kind of look and assess, and I'm only going to hit, the first guy is only going to be hit really in two ways, and the other ones are just going to go through that quickly. Um, There's eight things that we're going to look at this morning. I want you to ask this question as we go through these eight characteristics. Am I exhibiting any of these or growing in these characteristics of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ? Okay? All right? You you get how we're going to hit this text, loved ones? You with me? All right. Hope your Bibles are open. Let's look at the first one. Let's look at the first character that Paul talks about. Um, Tychicus. I call him Tychicus. I think how you pronounce his name is uh, um, Tychicus. But I've always said Tychicus, so I'm just going to say that because I'll mess it up. So potato, potato, tomato, potato, same thing, right? Okay, you're with me. Okay, here we go. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. So here's Paul. He's writing his letter, and he's going to sum it up and give some final instructions. He says this, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Uh, One thing that was true about the Apostle Paul was he knew that in ministry, he needed help. He needed help from his friends. He needed help from faithful servants of Jesus Christ to help him carry on the work. Uh, No one can do ministry on their own. 
You cannot, nor can we survive in our Christian walk uh, without our, well, obviously without the help of the Holy Spirit and those that the Holy Spirit gives us to walk with us, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul knew that, and he starts out with one whom he dearly loved. Look at the text here. He says, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother. Man, Paul loved Tychicus. He just loved him. And I think why he loved him was because how he explains him. Look at the text where he says this. He says, he's a faithful minister and a fellow servant. One of the characteristics that Tychicus had was he was faithful to the work of Christ. He was faithful. He was one of those faithful men that was there with the Apostle Paul. Now, Tychicus entered the scene on Paul's third missionary journey. He enters in Acts chapter 20, verse 2 through 6. Now, I can't go to every text this morning because we don't have time to, but note this reference. He comes on the scene then, and he follows Paul after a riot, so he's in there that whole thing. He's not immediately in the riot. We're going to see who is in a character I'm really excited to talk about in Aristarchus, but um, Tychicus was there with Trophimus and some other ones, and he accompanied Paul through the third missionary journey and back to Jerusalem and uh, all the way to Rome in this letter in Paul's first imprisonment. Uh, he, would, he, was, he would have been there in, uh, in his second imprisonment, but Paul sent him um, to Ephesus. Uh, so the point here is that Tychicus was with Paul for at least four or five years in some of the hardest part of his ministry. He was right there with him. And Paul calls him a faithful minister and fellow servant. So not only was he faithful in sticking with the Apostle Paul, but Paul entrusted Tychicus with the ministry of taking over um, other pastors in their role. For instance, he might have been the one that went to Titus on the island of Crete when Paul says, I'm going to send um, either uh, Tychicus or, or one of his other brothers to take over for Titus to go and minister to the Apostle Paul and be there as a comfort and just see Paul one last time. In Ephesus, he sends him to the church there in his second imprisonment to relieve him, uh, relieve that pastor there of his duty. So he was faithful. He was faithful to the work of Christ, but not just that. In order to be faithful, uh, Paul trusted Tychicus greatly. He was trustworthy in the work of Christ. He was trustworthy. So Tychicus was faithful to the work of Christ, and he was trustworthy in the work of Christ. Um, I want you to see here, I want you to notice, because we can often look over this really quickly, um, he says this, um, Tychicus will tell you all my activities. All right? He says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose. So Paul is sending Tychicus to the church of Colossae, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is going to come with the letter to the Colossians. All right, he's going to come with the letter to the Colossians. And so Epaphras goes to Paul, and he tells everything that's going on to Paul in the church, and Paul sends a letter. Paul doesn't just send it with anybody. He needs someone he can trust. This is very important. Um, so he brings this, he hands this letter, this response that we have today, the book of Colossians, to Tychicus to bring it to make sure it gets there. Not only does Paul entrust this letter to him, he entrusts the letter of the Ephesians also to him. A pretty important mission that he sends him on. You don't just send anybody on this mission. You send somebody you trust, and you trust with your life. And that's what Paul did. Not only does he send that letter with him, but he also sends a letter um, to Philemon with him. We're going to see Onesimus in a minute, and he's also a part of that. So Paul is going to uh, entrust Colossians, Ephesians, which is a circular letter. It's to go to all the churches, and the letter to Philemon. Three books of the Bible in the New Testament. 
A characteristic of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ is one who is faithful, one who is dependable, trustworthy. They're committed to the cause and the work of Christ. Tychicus was that guy. He was committed. This is who Paul, who was around the apostle Paul. Let me ask you, can that be said of you? Can that be said of you? Are you trustworthy? Are you faithful? Are you dependable like he was? And I want that to be said about me. I think all of us, our desires, that's said about us as well. But unfortunately, there are many followers of Jesus Christ who are not dependable. They don't commit themselves to serve the Lord in any meaningful, sacrificial way. They just kind of commit themselves when it's easy, uh, when when it doesn't cost much. And then they do. Uh, Many don't use their gifts and their talents or their spiritual gifts to serve Christ. That wasn't Tychicus. He was faithful. He was trustworthy. He was dependable. When Paul needed him most, he was there. Are you like that? Are you like that in your service to the Lord, in advancing the gospel and joining the work of Christ? Dependable. The second one, uh, the second character is this, is Onesimus. Look what he says about Onesimus. This Onesimus hung around the apostle Paul. He's got an interesting story, but he says this. He says, and with him Onesimus, Look at verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So Paul uh, sent Tychicus and Onesimus who would tell all that was going on. And uh, they would answer any of the questions that would happen uh, that the church may have. And uh, they would fill in those details. They were trustworthy. Onesimus' story doesn't start out with one uh, very well either, but is a a powerful story of the move of the gospel in someone's life. Uh, Onesimus was a runaway slave of Philemon. Uh, When Paul went on his his missionary journey, he led Philemon to Christ, and he became good friends with Philemon. And Philemon would have served him for a time in there, but uh, Philemon had the church. They they believed that uh, the church of Colossae was in his home, or at some point in his house. So he was a faithful uh, servant of Christ as well, a friend of the Apostle Paul, but he was, uh, um, Onesimus was slave to Philemon, all right? Their day, obviously, in a way that never intended it to be. God did not intend that to be that way. We see in the law how they were to treat those who were in their care. But Onesimus, for some reason, didn't like his current situation. So what he did was he uh, hightailed it out, and he ran away from Philemon. And by God's providence, he ran right into the Apostle Paul, and uh, and. Apostle Paul led him to Christ. Talk about like the providence of God, like ran away from Paul's friend. His slave ran away and he went to Paul and Paul led him to Christ too. And uh, it's an amazing, an amazing story. You can read that in the, in the book of Philemon. But along the way, um, in order for someone to get somewhere, they need to have some money. Well, slaves didn't have money back then, so he would have stolen some things. And that's, that's Onesimus' story, but it's a powerful story of the gospel transforming a life. And so Paul... Um, writes a letter to Philemon, and he asks Philemon to forgive him and to welcome him as a brother of Christ, as a brother of Christ now and a fellow co-heir in Christ, not as a slave. And uh, and Philemon does. We see this in in history. Um, it's uh, believed that in the early church father, I think his name is Ignatius. He um, he writes a letter to the church, encouraging the church to be like Onesimus, uh, their pastor. Onesimus uh, believed that he became the pastor of the Colossian church. And so Philemon welcomed him. He relieved him, or he released him. But the point that I want to make is this. The one characteristic that Onesimus showed was um, he was willing to correct his wrongdoing. He went back to Philemon. 
Paul sends him back. He was useful to Paul. He stayed with Paul uh, for a number of months. He grew in his walk with the Lord. He was a disciple. Um, But Paul said, listen, brother, it's time to go back. Paul didn't want to wrong Philemon, so he sends him back. But Philemon was willing to go back and correct the wrong. That's evident in Scripture. That's a characteristic of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ, willing to correct their wrongdoing. Are you willing to correct your wrongdoing? Uh, Onesimus was. Are you one who models humility and swallows your pride when you mess up? Are you willing? Is one of your character traits known by those around you that you make the wrong right? That's huge. Too many Christians are not willing to swallow their pride and say, no, you know, I did this. This is me. Forgive me. Uh, That's a characteristic of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ. Onesimus was faithful, beloved, but he was willing to correct the wrongdoing. And that, that, take, that takes some serious pride swallowing. Just think about that. Runaway slave back and say, I'm sorry. And submit himself to Philemon again. That's huge. Mark of a ser- genuine servant of Christ. So we have three things so far. How are you doing so far? All right. Are you growing? Are you excelling? In any of these areas, faithful to the work of Christ, trustworthy in the work of Christ, willingness to correct the wrongdoing, um, fourth one is Aristarchus. Now, I can't wait to meet Aristarchus in heaven. It's a great name, hey, Aristarchus. That's just a great name. Like, hey, who's this Aristarchus? I don't know, I think it's pretty cool. But anyways, um, look what he says about Aristarchus and, and who surrounded uh, like this, this guy. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, uh, greets you. Now, we don't have a whole lot there, but we have to do a little bit, a little bit of background. But Aristarchus is one who shows a genuine servant heart in the way of perseverance. Man, the Apostle Paul had to persevere through a lot, didn't he? Aristarchus was like right next in line on this kind of like chief guys on perseverance. Uh, Why? He enters the scene. Turn with me. I want you to flip there. He enters the scene in Acts chapter 20, is where we actually first see him in Acts chapter 19. And um, Aristarchus enters the scene because there's a riot happening in Ephesus. Like, if you haven't read the book of Acts, you need to read it. It is just packed, loaded with stuff, all right? With great teaching, but great story of, of the faithfulness of God's people and how he is working in the early church. But um, there is a riot that happened in Ephesus. And there is an individual who stirred up this riot. Look at verse 23 of chapter 19. He says this. I'm just going to read it to you. It's great. He says, About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Now the way is the way of Christ. Um, Jesus Christ alone for salvation. All right, not by works. Uh, He says this. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought uh, brought no little business to the craftsmen. So um, this Demetrius, he carved out um, images of the false goddess Artemis. That was who the Ephesians worshipped. And he made a ton of money doing it. All right? So he says, it brought in no little money. Like, man, he made a lot of money. He says this, These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. So all those that kind of had their hand in the trade of making idols of this, images of this false goddess, like, man, we've made a ton of money, and you know that you've all been made wealthy because of this business. He says this, verse 26, and you see and you hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. So Paul's going like, 
You're worshiping nothing. You're worshiping nothing like Yahweh. You need to worship Yahweh through Jesus Christ, right? And so, and this is what he says there. And there is danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, like we ain't going to make money no more, man, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be disposed from her magnificence. Yeah, magnificence. She whom all Asia and the world worship. So he's stirring the pot here. Man, they're going after your money. They're going after our trade. And we're not going to have our living anymore. And, and by the way, they might knock the, the goddess Artemis, who we worship, off. So look at what happens in verse 28. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. They were doing this constantly. And so what happens, it says this, verse 29. So the city was filled with confusion. And they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. Here is Aristarchus on the scene, being dragged by an angry mob and a confused mob into a theater. Like, talk about scare the life out of you. Riot was happening. Now, uh, we've seen, unfortunately, some of the riots happening right now, don't we? Imagine being in the middle of that. But you're in the middle of it because you're a companion of the Apostle Paul. How scary would that be? And here's Artemis and Gaius being dragged in, uh, like angry. Like the, You had a bunch of angry people, but not just that. Look at The Apostle Paul wasn't in this crowd. Look what happens here. He says, but when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples wouldn't let him. Like, Paul, you ain't going in there, man. You're going to die. Like, you can't go in there. It says, even some of the um, Asiarchs who were friends of his sent him and were like, urge him, don't venture into the theater. And look at some of the people. Now, some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not even know why they had come together. <laughs> like, just a total mess. Like, just a whole city uproar and everything else, and there's angry people, there's confused people. It's like, I I'm just here for the show, man. I don't know what's going on. Just a whole crowd of people. And here's Aristarchus and Gaius in the middle of it. The town clerk sees what's going on, tells them to quiet down because they're going to be charged for a riot by Rome and they're going to pay the price, so it all kind of dissipates. And then in chapter 20, Paul encourages the disciples and then they continue on in their journey. But who stays with them, and you can see this in verse 4, the latter part, is there's a few of them, but also, also who stays with them is um, Aristarchus. He's right there. And we're going to see that Aristarchus stays with the apostle Paul right through his imprisonments. He stays with them. He perseveres with them. You can see the many things. There was many warnings, and Aristarchus didn't quit. He persevered when it was hard. He was like, okay, Paul, what's next? Uh, angry mob, all right, where are we going next? What prison is it? <laughs> that was Aristarchus. Like many times, the apostle Paul was warned about what was coming. Even in, in chapter 20, verse 22, uh, Paul says this to the Ephesian elders, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, like called, compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. But he was warned. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul was told, like, I, I gotta go, I gotta go. The Holy Spirit's telling me to go, but he's warning me that I'm gonna be afflicted and in prison. Aristarchus is like, all right, man, I'm right with you. I'm right there. I'm gonna minister alongside of you. And he persevered. Persevered when it was hard. We see that all the way through. You can see this Aristarchus, and he's here in the first imprisonment. Now, I want you to notice something back in the text. Look at back in Colossians. Look what he says. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. 
Was anybody else in prison with the Apostle Paul? Was anybody else? We don't, we don't see specifically that they were in prison. They could come and they go, could go. I think the point here that Paul is making and, uh, is that Aristarchus voluntarily committed himself to be alongside of Paul in prison. Not that he was a criminal. Like the rest of these guys, they could come and go. Why Aristarchus? He stuck it out with Paul. He persevered to build up and to uh, help in the advancement of the gospel and be there with Paul as a comfort. Man, that's awesome. A characteristic, look again, a, a characteristic of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ is one who perseveres when it's hard. Perseverance is one. Like, they don't quit. They don't quit when it's tough. Now, listen, maybe this is for you right now, but don't quit. Don't quit in the ministry God has called you to. Maybe you're ministering to a neighbor or a family member. Maybe you're ministering to somebody and it's getting tough right now and you're feeling a little bit beat down. Listen, don't quit. Don't quit. The mark of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ is one who perseveres through the pain. It's not easy. It's not easy. Aristarchus didn't quit. These other, apostles, or these other disciples didn't quit either. That's one thing that just stands out to me, man. What a great guy. What a perseverance. Next you see in the, in the letter is this. He mentions Mark, John Mark. He says this. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Uh, the other one that was with the apostle Paul was Mark. Uh, now, Mark didn't have a really strong start, did he? Uh, Mark is John Mark. Uh, Mark joined uh, Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. You know what Mark did when the going got tough? You know what he did? They came to a really um, tough part in, uh, in the journey where they're going to go through a hard terrain, but also a dangerous terrain. And there was also danger ahead. You know what Mark did? He hightailed it back to mom at Jerusalem in the church in his house, and he went there. He, he didn't follow through with the apostle Paul and Barnabas. He abandoned them. This didn't set really well with uh, the Apostle Paul. You actually see in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, on the second missionary journey, Barnabas says to Paul, hey, let's bring Mark. And Paul's like, uh-uh, uh, that guy ain't going. Man, that cat deserts people. I can't trust him. He's not coming with us. And there's such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that um, Paul brought uh, Silas with him, and Barnabas and Mark went the other direction to encourage the churches. So there was a huge problem going on there. And it was known throughout the churches that Mark was a deserter. So what Paul is saying here, and this is awesome, what Paul is saying is that, listen, if Mark comes to you, you know, welcome him. Something happened in Mark's life. See, Mark went back, and I believe what one, one pastor states, and I, I would hold to this position too, uh, Mark goes back to Jerusalem and um, there's one that walks with Mark, one that, know, one that knows what abandonment feels like and has actually participated in it. You know who that is? You know who did something so bad? Who was it? Peter. Man, Peter knows what it means to, like, to walk away, doesn't he? And uh, it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, Peter calls Mark his son. He says, my son with me as well. I think what happened is, is Mark did something so wrong and so wicked and abandoning the calling on his life, and then goes back and Peter picks him up and walks with him. He says, I know what that feels like. I've been there too. And he walks with him and he disciples him. And he releases him back into ministry with the apostle Paul. And Paul, you gotta go to, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, and it's just a few pages over. I want you to see what Paul thinks of Mark now. Um, the last, his last imprisonment before he's actually killed, this is what Paul says about Mark. In verse 11, he says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. And bring him with you, for he is very useful 
to me for ministry. That was Mark. The one thing about Mark was he was valuable and useful. He was a useful asset in the work of Christ. He was useful. Didn't start out well, but man, he finished strong. He was useful. And that's the one thing that the Apostle Paul knew about Mark. He was useful. He's like, man, that's the guy I want on my team. The last moments of Paul's life, Paul's like, I want Mark here. Paul was still, even in his last moments, like, there's still ministry to do, and I need Mark with me. Dependable. Let me ask you, is that how you're looked at when it comes to serving the Lord? In all areas of life, not just in the church, but outside the church. I'm talking about the totality of our service to God. Is that how you're looked at? Are you looked at as dependable, valuable? Like, man, I, I need that guy. I need that girl on my team. There's work to be done. There's a job to be done. It's like, man, they're dependable. I wanted that to be said about me. Like, don't you want that to be said about you? Like, they're dependable. Like, so, so something needs to be done, man, they come to my mind right away. I want to be that guy. Something needs to be done. Oh, call Mark. Call Mark. That's what you should be going for. Not like, oh, I don't know if he can really be dependable. Will it be useful? Will it be valuable? When ministry tasks are needed to accomplish, are you thought of? Are you thought of? Mark was. It's a valuable, valuable thing. Listen, that's one of the characteristics of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we need to be growing in these areas, loved ones, but this, these are some of the realities. These are some of the men that were surrounding the Apostle Paul. Then there's justice, justice. Jesus' justice. Look back at the text here. He says this. So there's Aristarchus, fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Okay, Barnabas' cousin. That's why you see in the text. All right, um, Mark was there. Mark actually wrote the Gospel of Mark. All right, very useful, obviously. We have the scripture written through his hands. Okay, then we have uh, justice. And he says, and Jesus, who is called justice. Now, we don't know much about justice, um, but we do know this specifically. All these guys did this, but I saved this for justice because we just don't know much more about them. But he says, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. They've been a comfort to me. Um, Justice was a Jew. He wasn't a Gentile convert. He was a Jew. And uh, he was one of the only, him and Aristarchus and Mark, they were all Jews. They were the only ones that surrounded the Apostle Paul to comfort him. Um, All the other Jews of the circumcision group, they didn't stay with Paul. Now, the apostles were doing different works, so don't think that they weren't around Paul. They weren't in that sense. They had their other ministry. But who was directly involved with the Apostle Paul? These three Jews. That were it. That's what he was saying. That's it for right now. That's who's with me. In his imprisonment. But he brought a comfort to him. Listen, um, another characteristic of a genuine servant of Christ is one who comforts those in ministry hardships. Paul went through a lot of ministry hardships, didn't he? He went through a lot of hard things. And a characteristic is one who will come and he will minister to that individual by bringing comfort by walking beside. Let me ask you, are you a comfort to those that are ministering around you? Do you comfort them? Do you comfort them by encouraging them, by praying for them, like with them, not just like distant prayer, but with them? Are you just there with them? Have you ever gone through a hard time before? I think all of us have, haven't we? And there are times where it's just like, you know what, you are in so much pain, you are struggling so much, and you know what, the last thing you need is somebody to come in and tell you what you should do and what you should fix and what you did wrong. And all, the best thing to do is just go and be there. 
Say, I'm just here because I love you. I'm just here because I just want to pray with you and I, I just want to listen. I just want to be with you. That was justice to the Apostle Paul. He was a comfort. And I praise God for the men who are that for me. I praise God for them. They're such a comfort to me. You know who you are. Such a blessing. But listen, maybe you know somebody who has felt the pain um, of a family member rejecting the gospel. Maybe you know somebody who's felt the pain of trying to live for Christ and they're just getting beat down right now at work or they're getting beat down by their neighbors or they're, getting just, they're just down. Man, a, a, a characteristic of a genuine servant of Christ is one who's just gonna go and comfort them. Just be with them. Encourage them. Don't try to fix it. Just be with them. That was justice. Can that be said about you as well? It doesn't just apply to frontline, those in frontline ministry in different capacities, but all of us as we minister in different ways because we're all called to, right? Aren't we, church? We are. Be a comfort. All right, next. Next is Epaphras. Next is Epaphras. Look what he says here. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Epaphras was a faithful fellow servant of Christ. He brought the gospel to Colossae, planted the church. And one thing that Epaphras did consistently was he prayed hard for the church. And not only did he pray hard for them, um, he worked hard for them. Epaphras' goal is to see the church come in line with the will of God, which is understanding the word of God, and he prayed his guts out for them. Now the question is, is why did Paul, or why did Epaphras do this? How could he have done this? Well, one thing is true, is Epaphras had a deep love and a care for his fellow followers of Christ. A deep love and a care for the church drove this pastor to praying hard for them and working hard for them. That's what drove Epaphras, is his love for the Lord, which translated as a love for the church. And he worked hard, and he prayed hard for them. He labored for them. It, it really is amazing what love will do, right, church? It really is amazing what love will do. Like, if you're married, before you were married, in that just beginning part of the relationship, man, it's amazing what you would do, right? For the one that you were starting to really get close to. Right? You do just... Different things. We see what love will drive people to in wrong ways, right? We watch different shows. I've seen, I've told you this before, different documentaries on prisoners and how like those incarcerated and like all of a sudden someone starts to love them and they're like trying to bust them out of jail and it's like crazy things love can drive people to. Like absolute crazy things. But the one thing that drove Epaphras was a deep love and a care for fellow followers. Someone doesn't do things like that unless they love someone. Just think about it. When you genuinely love someone they're hurting, is it easier to pray for them? Because you love them, connected to them. You feel their pain, you enter in for a moment. And it drives you to pray. It drives you to help them. If you don't love somebody, do you do that? Not usually. Epaphras loved, he loved the church deeply. Listen, a characteristic of a genuine servant of Christ is one who deeply loves fellow followers of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. How would your life differ if you really excelled in the area of deep love and care for those around you right now? How do you think your life would differ? 
I don't have that answer, but one thing I do know is it would motivate and challenge the socks off of everyone around you. It would motivate and challenge the rest. And we would pray for their growth. We'd pray for their, we'd labor for their growth. We'd do all that we could to help them. And always, we'd love them and build them up. It's interesting, though, what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Epaphras modeled this genuine servant heart. He loved, truly, the followers of Jesus Christ. A mark of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ. Deep love and care for fellow followers. So listen, loved ones. Here's some of the characteristics. Again, we're almost done. Hang in there with me. Uh, Faithful to the work of Christ. Trustworthy in the work of Christ. Uh, Corrects the wrongdoing. Perseveres when it's hard. Uh, Valuable, useful asset in the work of Christ. A great comfort. Deep love and care for fellow followers. And then finally, on the positive characteristics here, uh, we have Luke. Luke. Self-sacrifice to serve the needs of others. A genuine characteristic, uh, or characteristic of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ is one who um, self-sacrifices to serve the needs of others. Look what he says here about Luke. Um, Not a lot, but you pick up on some clues. Uh, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. See that there? Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Uh, Luke was a Gentile convert. You can see some of his story, too, uh, in Acts, but uh, in, in different ways that he, uh, he was there. You can see him in Timothy. Paul mentions him. Um, but Luke was, uh, he was a Gentile convert, and uh, he was a physician. And he practiced in Troas, all right? And uh, that's where he lived. They believe he lived in Troas. He believed he practiced his, uh, his practice was there. And the thing about Luke, though, was that he was with Paul on many of his journeys. He wasn't with them all the way through, but he was with them on a lot of them. Uh, he was with them on uh, this third missionary journey. He was with them in prison here in his first imprisonment. In his second imprisonment, he was with the Apostle Paul. He was with them many times. But here's the thing. Um, he could have not gone with the Apostle Paul. He was a smart man. He loved the Lord. But he could have continued. He could have stayed at home. And he could have made money practicing as a physician. He could have been a doctor in Troas and not gone all along the way. But the one thing that, that um, Luke did was he served the Lord by serving the Apostle Paul by going and meeting his physical needs. That was huge. That's a massive ministry, the Apostle Paul. Why? Because the guy was a walking pin bag. He was beat. He was ripped apart. He was stoned. He was like beat with rods. He was lashed like three different times. Like well over 100 lashes. Like that guy needs some serious physical help. And Luke helped him. Luke walked with him. He mended his wounds. He took care of his physical needs so that the gospel could be advanced. That's Luke. Luke was faithful. Luke was a smart man. He was a faithful man. He wrote the book of the gospel of Luke. He wrote Acts. But he was faithful. Can that be said about you as well? Um, Genuine characteristic, uh, Sorry, characteristic of a genuine servant of Christ is one who gives their time and their talent to advance the kingdom of God. Do you give your time and your talent? Do you give that, loved ones? And not just for money? Not just for money? Listen, uh, yes, we need to make a living. Luke needed to make a living. I get that. And we use our, our talents and our time to make a living and provide. 
But there are times when self-sacrifice is needed to build up the body and serve the Lord for the advancement of the gospel. Do you use your talents to serve the body and build up the body? Or do you not because you're not getting paid? Too many people do that. They'll serve in certain ways. Well, I'm gonna serve, but no, I'm not gonna do that because I do that for a living. It's like, well, of course you should do that. Then you excel in that and use it to build up the body. But we see here Paul, he was, he was um, Luke surrounded himself with Paul and Paul loved him. He's the beloved physician. It's great to have those that take care of your physical needs. I'm so blessed by those, by one individual. You know who you are. It's been such a blessing to me for my physical needs. Um, I get to experience a little bit of what the Apostle Paul experienced. It's such a blessing. Have those in the medical field to help along the way. And that's awesome. Praise God for you. Praise God for all those. Paul felt that. That was Luke. He was beloved. He was right with him. Self-sacrifice. Now the last one as I close. The last guy. Um, he's not really the model you want to follow. Okay? Um, is Demas. Now in this case, Demas was um, right there. He said, um, Paul, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Now, Demas was with Paul in his missionary journey, and he followed Paul along the way. You see him, he was there in this one. Um, But along the way, Demas lost his focus. And uh, in Paul's second imprisonment, um, he deserts the apostle. And we see that. So that's where, now I don't know if Demas, like Mark, uh, redeemed himself. We don't have that in the text, but the one thing we do have in the text um, in in, uh, Paul's letter is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, Luke alone is with me, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, Demas is what I like to call someone who uh, has a strong start, but no finish. Strong start, no finish. You know people like that? Start out strong, but don't finish. I always have this picture of this guy going like in a basketball, going around everybody and taking a shot and airballing it. <laughs> That's Demas. Airball, like no finish, Right? All show, no go. Um, Demas was right there, but for whatever reason, right? And the point is this. Um, many people, many followers of Christ, they start out strong, but they don't finish strong. Um, they start out in ministry, and they're serving so faithfully, but whatever reason it is, it gets hard, it gets tough. You're like, uh, I'm done, I throw in the towel. And loved ones, we have weaknesses. Don't get me wrong, this is not a rebuke to you. We struggle, and we go through seasons of struggle. But if you have, have you gotten back up yet? Have you gotten back up yet? Are you serving faithfully to your neighbors, to your family, to your church? Are you using your gifts and your abilities to build the body of Christ? God has given you a spiritual gift. Are you being faithful with it? So I don't have, well, yes, you do. Um, Are you stepping out in faith and using it and trying to even learn and apply it? Maybe you have been and maybe you've experienced some hardships and you quit. Don't be a Demas. Don't be a Demas. Demas quit. Now, Lord willing, he came back. We don't have that in the text. We know God is faithful to his own. We know that. But these were the characters that followed and uh, were right in ministry with the Apostle Paul. Paul closes his letter and says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and, and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Um, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Instruction, hey, hey, fulfill the ministry, be faithful. Archippus, keep going, don't, don't quit, don't stop. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. 
All these, care, all these individuals showed characteristics of a genuine servant heart. I'd argue that they probably, all of them showed them to, agree in one, uh, to a degree in one way or another. They would excel in certain ways, absolutely. But again, let me close with this question. Are you exhibiting characteristics of a genuine servant of Jesus Christ? Are you faithful to the work of Christ? Are you trustworthy in the work of Christ? Do you correct your wrongdoing? Do you persevere when it's hard? Are you viewed as valuable and useful, a useful asset in the work of Christ? Are you a great comfort to those in their ministry hardships? Um, do you have a deep love and a care for fellow followers? And do you self-sacrifice to serve the needs of others when you do not gain materially? Is that you, loved ones? Is that you? Um, these were those who surrounded the Apostle Paul. Uh, a great encouragement to us um, to follow in the footsteps of those who go before us and to honor Christ with our lives. It's going to come at a cost. It will cost you. Um, but God will help us. And God will strengthen us. So I hope this is an encouragement to you. May uh, the Spirit of God use this to encourage your hearts and assess your heart. You know, and if you haven't, praise God. Uh, repent and follow in obedience. It's like, just like that? You mean I've messed up for a long time? No, God's grace is sufficient for you. Uh, he'll help you. May we all be able to say, I'm excelling and growing in these areas. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you do, um, you do help us. Thank you, Lord, for the examples we have before us in your word of faithful men. And there are many faithful women also, Lord. It's not just, just men that are to be faithful. It's, it's all of your followers of Jesus Christ, you, Jesus Christ. That's who are to be faithful. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us. Help us to excel in these ways, to grow in these godly characters, characteristics of, of, of the heart that is after you. Father, we're weak. We need help. We get knocked down, Lord, but may we stand with each other and pick each other up. We thank you, Lord, for your patience. We thank you, Lord, for your help and the growth through your spirit who sanctifies us. May you be glorified in our lives, and may we grow in these. We thank you in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm.